Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Twisties, nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, July 28th, 2021 is a word that I just learned called the twisties. Having worked in baseball, I was used to the yips. The yips is when all of a sudden a catcher can't throw it back to the pitcher or a second baseman can't throw it to the first baseman on a ground ball or the pitcher. Remember the pitcher named Rick Ankiel? He was a pitcher who got the yips and could not throw the ball across the plate. He then retired and actually came back as a hitter. The yips are something in baseball that we have a staff of psychologists on call. We have one full-time psychologist, but we also had a performance psychologist and employee assistance program person. But we also had people who were our go-to yippers and a go-to yipper, a GTY, I would call him. It was a him is someone who would come in who specialized in the yips and try to figure out. Remember, if you're a Yankee fan, Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs was a famous guy who had the yips. The yips is something that when you have it, it is incredibly scary because think about something in your life that is, it just happens. When you wake up, if you're lucky enough, your feet just touch the ground. When you're going running, your left foot follows your right foot forward and your arms swing When you are putting a spoon in your mouth, in theory, depending on how your night's going, in general, the dry special K gets into your mouth. When you get the yips, what you used to do, what you do just as a matter of habit without thinking about it totally subconsciously, the yips is when all of a sudden that stops and you don't know how to get it back because you don't know how you do it in the first place. It's not a learned skill to do something that you've always done. I'm not talking about learning how to hit a slider or learning how to use a six iron. I'm talking about something that just happens. Twisties is the word when in gymnastics, your body, when you are lunging through the air, I keep thinking of Philip Seymour Hoffman right now and along came Polly when he was trying to get insurance for Brian Brown, Rachel Ward's ex, who was also in Against All Odds, why that's in my mind, I have no idea. I loved Against All Odds. And he was in Cocktail. He wasn't in Against All Odds. He was in Cocktail. Excuse me, Rachel Ward was in Against All Odds. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Coca, do we need to start over? I really don't want to. I'm not. Okay, wipe it. Wipe it. 40, 64, 69. Twisties, word of the day, Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. Twisties is what Simone Biles has, the gymnast, the best gymnast in the world, the best gymnast in history, the GOAT gymnast. It's not a question. I could tell you about Nadia Comaneci. I could tell you about Kerry Strug. I could tell you about 
somebody else maybe, but she's the number one decorated with gold medals. She does things in the air that most people can't do while they're thinking about it on the ground. She does twists and two and a half triple Lundies, things that are just so unbelievable. When you see them, you say, is there a springboard in her Achilles? And to do that, you're up in the air. And what happens with these world-class athletes, and if you talk to athletes, which I've been lucky enough to do, they will often tell you, I don't know exactly how it happens, but the ball spins a certain way. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I can see the spin of a ball when I'm at bat and I can hit it. I don't know how I work on my arm, but man, I can throw a laser from right field to third base. Ichiro would tell me that he worked on his arm. He would do long toss every day when we'd be playing the Yankees when he was a Marlin. He would go to Central Park on off days and do long toss. I kid you not. And they just they work on it, but they practice. But it's just a skill they have. Simone Biles has a skill to do things that is just hard to replicate. She was in Tokyo in the Olympics. In my mind, she had the second most amount of pressure on her going into Tokyo of any athlete in any country. The number two most scrutinized, the number two athlete with the most to lose, number one being Naomi Osaka, who was coming back from a hiatus caused by mental health and fatigue and general need for a break, came back, played the Olympics, lost in the third round while favored to win the gold for her home country, no less, playing under the Japan flag. And number two is Biles coming in, expecting to bring the U.S. team to gold in the team, bring the U.S. to gold in the all around individual for herself, and then potentially win golds when you do the different disciplines, whether it's the vault or the floor or the balance beam or the unparalleled bars, which they may not be called that coca. It's the ones where one bar is higher than the other and they somehow swing and the, 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 it's at their hip and they do these twists and turns. If you've ever hung from a parallel or unparalleled bar, you'll know the talent and skill these gymnasts have because your arms would fall out of their sockets, just like that. So news was made a couple of days ago when she pulled out of the all around competition. She was in the middle of a vault and got the twisties in the middle of a vault where she acknowledges that she forgot the number of twists she was supposed to do. She started thinking about the number of twists because she was going to do two and a half twists. She ended up doing one and a half twists. She landed and said, wow, I could have just really gotten hurt. And the reason why you can get hurt when you think you're going to do a two and a half double, triple twist, reverse, nothing but net, and you don't, is sometimes your body is out of sorts and you can land on your ankle, you can land on your knee, you can land on your head and break your neck. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong when you are an athlete at her level. These things are amazingly instinctual. So she pulled out in the middle of a competition and there was an unfortunate series of events by Lemony Snicket who said, there's a medical issue, we will be back to you. She's day to day. We'll be back to you as she continues to be looked at medically and if she gets medical clearance. So the thought was she may have had a torn hammy, a pulled hammy, some sort of tendonitis, some sort of something. And she decided to go public and say, no, I've got the twisties. I've got I'm having some mental health issues. I need some time. And I was not putting my team in the best position to win. 
If I had a player come up to me when I was president of a team and say, I don't feel like playing today, I would have been angry. I would have said, you are weak. I would have said, get out there and do your job. And as I look back at myself as team president, I shudder with frustration and anger and shame that I treated players the way I did. And I don't mean financially because I would do that all over again. I'm talking about when it came to physical and mental injuries. And I couldn't appreciate a back injury until I had a back injury. I couldn't appreciate a hammy until I hurt my own hammy from running. I couldn't appreciate people who needed a mental health day who weren't on their game because they had distractions in their family. Because I was so robotic that I had no distractions until the Novocaine wore off. And I realized that I do have distractions like everybody else, more than some, less than others. And I would not have allowed a player to not play. And if it had, I would have probably done something behind the scenes to pressure that player to play. And I'm sorry. And my mea culpa is based on what I'm seeing out there now that makes me sick to my stomach. When you've got an athlete who's won four gold medals like she did in Rio, this is not a schlepper, folks, a five-time world champion all around. Five-time. When she says that she needs a day or she needs a week or she needs a month because of the pressure we put on her, we as fans, we as sponsors, we as media, scrutinizing every little thing that everyone does, looking to tear people down because it makes ourselves feel better because we live about the size of a gutter. What's better than seeing people broken down who are doing things that we could never dream of doing, who have money we could never dream of having? And then we love a comeback story, build them up and feel good about someone who can come back. What I'm reading out there is sickening. People criticizing her for taking a mental health break, for having mental health issues. And on top of that, for saying I did it for the team and people saying you didn't do it for the team, you hurt your team. The U.S. only got a silver in this rush to medals. I got a question for all of you. When you're talking to people who have a different view than you, when you're talking to people who don't understand what you're going through because they've never gone through it, so by definition, they've never been in your shoes. We spent a year during COVID, during this period of racial awakening where people were beginning to understand, trying to understand, being willing to understand. And we kept saying, you are never in anyone else's shoes but yours, so don't ever say what you would do because you don't know. And even when you have a similar experience, you are still not in someone's shoes. When someone says to you that their take is, hey, how dare her? She should be replaced on the team by someone who wants it. When someone says that to you, if you don't talk back to that person and you don't respond to that person, then you are complicit. And isn't it enough, all of us always being complicit in whether it's climate change, whether it's the political divide that exists, whether it's with COVID-19, we're all complicit because we just allow the divide to grow as large as the Grand Canyon. We allow the divide to continue because we are so set in our ways thinking we're right and I used to be that. 
You don't think like I do. That means you're wrong. You don't want to do what I want to do. That means I'm not going to be doing it with you. You're telling me that you've got an issue that I can't appreciate or that I don't currently have. Then don't bring that to me. Do your job. It's business, right? I got confused. I got confused with what business was. Business is money. Business is profit. Business is doing what you have to do sometimes to the detriment of customers or others or employees who you have to fire or let go when you're cutting costs because your job is to save the company and your job is to make the company profitable and your job is to make money, whether it's for yourself or for your boss. And I do not apologize for that. I do not. What I apologize for is not realizing that sometimes the best way to get the most out of people is to recognize something that I was willing to do with my kids when they were young and in school. We would give them once a year a mental health day where they could say for no reason at all, if you wake up and don't want to go to school, don't. I never got that as a kid. You don't have a fever. You're going to school. It's not 60 degrees when you wake up. You're wearing pants. It's below 45 degrees. You're wearing an undershirt. Those were the rules. Follow the rules. Of course, I took off my undershirt in the elevator. Sometimes I held a thermometer, a mercury thermometer to my light to try to pretend I had fever if I didn't want to go to school. If I had to do it again, I would have been more in tune to people and understanding that sometimes the best way to make to win more games is to make sure that the players playing or the players who may not be your best players, but they're in the game that moment. And you never know if they're going to hit the game winning home run or pitch six scoreless innings. You never know what's going to happen in a particular game. But I was so wrapped up in making sure that the contracts I had agreed to and the players we had signed or the players we had drafted were going to be good and play and perform because that was my reputation. It was all about me. What an absolutely unbelievable way to view the world where everything is just about you. It's not that it's selfish. It's not productive. And now that everyone has a platform, they get to come out and say, how dare her have mental health issues? I cannot vociferously disagree enough with people who believe that their platform should be used to criticize Biles. And I cannot disagree enough with people who aren't going to use their platform, whether it's one person or 20,000 or 2 million, to tell her, hey, we're good. You want to do gymnastics again and give us pleasure and medals as a country? Great. You don't want to? Great. What's important is that you've got a life in front of you and you've got to take care of yourself because it's high time that we stop living through athletes and actors and people who are doing things who we think are not human beings. They're subjects of adulation that can be earned or just received through a performance having nothing to do with who they are or what they are. You don't know her at all. You don't know one thing about her and what she's going through. You've never sat down and had dinner with her. You've never been her best friend and understood the pressure. Oh, she gets paid tons of money. She's got endorsements. My criticism of Naomi, of Naomi Osaka on not meeting the media was not criticizing her mental health. It was saying, if that's part of a job and you can't do your job, then you can't do your job and that's okay. If you don't know if you've during two and a half twists or one and a half twists or two twists or one tumble and you're in danger and you're hurting your team and you don't want to perform, that is your right. It is not our right to criticize it, comment on it, or say one thing. 
So the next time someone does that to you, why not hold them accountable? Last night at 2.30 in the morning, which is, I guess, the afternoon in Tokyo, I think today is three days from now in Tokyo. Maybe that's Australia or three days ago. I think it, the competition already happened. By the way, is anyone having a hard time finding the events on TV, streaming? I can't figure out what channel anything's on. So I end up watching nothing but Twitter. Word came out at 2.30 yesterday morning that she is not going to compete in the individual gymnastics event, the all-around individual, where she was favored to win gold. She was reading on Twitter, hopefully not. Her advisors were telling her that everyone is saying she can't be cured in a day. If she has a mental health problem on Monday, she cannot perform Tuesday. That means you don't know one thing about mental health. Do you get cured in a day? No. It takes therapy. It takes work. It takes luck. Are there days you feel better than others? Yes, there are. Is it possible that she could have felt better enough overnight and started to want to perform in the all-around gymnastics? Yes. But the pressure put on her not to perform by all of us, and I say us, it wasn't me. I hope it wasn't you. The pressure put on to bow out because you can't be cured that fast. If you had a broken ankle, you can't all of a sudden come back the next day. Well, here's a wait to see. It's a sad wait to see. She's pressured enough that she's not going to perform in any of the individual gymnastics events that are coming in the next week at the Olympics. She's going to feel as though she can't because it would be letting down other people with mental health issues. It would be giving credence to the fact that mental health issues are not real to those who say that. And she's got advisors and she's got people around too who are going to say, hey, you are 24 years old. You've accomplished more in your life athletically than many, most everyone will ever. If you don't perform at the 2020 Olympics, that's okay. And no one's talking about what it takes to be an Olympic gymnast, the nightmare that Olympic gymnasts have gone through. We talked about it on previous shows, the sexual abuse that went on within the U.S. gymnastics team, the vile, nightmarish activity, criminal activity that was allowed to go on for years and years and years. And you don't think that she's got, Simone, enough pressure on her, the size of the Empire State Building on her back. And even if she wanted to compete, the sad part is that the pressure she's going to feel not to compete is going to overwhelm her. Wait to see she's not going to compete in any of the individual gymnastics events. You know, we all feel pressure, right? You feel pressure in your job. You feel pressure in your family. You feel pressure to do what's right. You feel pressure when you're not making enough money or you're not doing well at your job or you get a bad evaluation or your kids are being a pain in the neck or you're having problems with your significant other or you're feeling as though that life isn't good, that you don't feel fortunate, and then you're surrounded by tragedy. You read about other people's tragedy. You have tragedy in your own life. Anyway, there is one thing I do know that happens is that time goes on. 
The clock never stops. The sun rises every morning and the sun sets every night. For those of you waiting to the sun not to rise, good luck finding Godot because that's who you're going to find first. There's deadlines for things that have to happen. You have to do your job. There's certain things you have to do. There's certain must-dos and, and certain want-to-dos. In baseball, people are focused right now on the trade deadline. A deadline is when at 4 o'clock on Friday, July 30th, if you haven't made a trade, then you are stuck with the players you have, and either they're going to be good enough to get you there or they're not going to be good enough to get you there. It is tremendously stressful for presidents and GMs because they've got owners in their ear. They've got fans in their ear. They've got salespeople in their ear. They've got players in their ear. Do you think that GMs and presidents are not trying to do what they have to do, what they've been told to do? Do you think that GMs take pleasure in trading away money and selling at the deadline and cutting payroll? Do you think we take pleasure when we make a trade and we bring someone in and the person we bring in stinks and we don't make the playoffs? Do you think that feels good? Do you think we're trying not to win? You must be out of your mind. We get paid more money if we win. Bonuses, extensions, adulation, jewelry. You know what we get when we don't win? Fired ridiculed, blamed. Teams going through the deadline right now are figuring out from a baseball standpoint what they want to do. And then they have to talk to the owner because the owner has the final decision on every single trade deadline move. You find me an owner who says he's not involved and I find you a liar. Every single owner is involved in every single trade. It is horse hockey. When owners say, oh, I didn't know we were trading for that guy or signing that guy. There is not one owner that reads one thing about their team in the paper on Twitter. The owner is the one who tells the president and GM how much money the team can take on, how much money the team has to shed. It is up to the baseball people and the team president to tell the owner we're in it, we're out of it, we should add, we could add, or we look like we're in it, but we're not. You can't listen to fans. You can't listen to players. It was always the toughest time the week of the deadline to be in the clubhouse because the GMs I worked with didn't want to communicate with the players. I did communicate with the players and they got angry with me. I was telling them what we were doing, what we were looking at, whether we were buying or selling, what we were trying to do. I would couch it all by saying, hey, we're not looking to trade you, but if we get an offer that's good for the team, that makes us a better team, we're going to trade you. That's what you sign up for when you're a major league baseball player. You sign up to be released, cut, traded, signed, paid, extended. Our managers always knew well enough to communicate with us during the deadline, but they knew that they didn't have control over the trades. As a matter of fact, we would tell the managers who to play during the week of the trade deadline. Con Mattingly came out yesterday and said, I have not been told one thing by the front office about who to play and not to play, whether or not we're going to trade Starley Marte or Adam Duvall, et cetera. Come on, Donnie, be better than that. You know that we did that and you know that Jeter does that. And that doesn't make Jeter bad or me bad because every owner's doing that right now. Every president's doing that right now. 
If we're trying to trade someone and save a few million dollars in salary because we're out of it and you play the player and then he gets hurt and we can't trade him, we are SOL. So, of course, we are telling you what to do. And if we tell you to play someone, even though we know we're going to trade him, it's because we're so wimpy, we're scared about PR. I've got a message in a bottle for all of you Seattle Mariners fans. You think Jerry DePoto is upset that his players are angry because of the trade he made yesterday? Jerry DePoto is the GM of the Seattle Mariners. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew Coca. The Seattle Mariners have the longest playoff drought of any team in Major League Baseball. I believe the Seattle Mariners have not made the playoffs in 20 years since 2001. I believe that's the longest in both the American League and baseball, with Philadelphia being the longest in the National League. Believe it or not, the Phillies, after the Marlins, who hadn't made it since 03, made it in the COVID season last year in 2020. I think the Phillies haven't made it since 11, but the Mariners since 01. 20 years. The Mariners are having a better season right now. They're competing in the American League West Division. Let me give you... Let me give you the standings as I see them now. The Seattle Mariners currently are one game out of the wild card behind Oakland. One game. That's it. In the division, can you believe where they are? They're seven games out behind Oakland and Houston. But one game out of the wild card. That's pretty good, right? We got to add, don't we? So the Mariners then traded their closer yesterday to the Houston Astros, the team in first place in their division, and the players lost their minds, the fans lost their minds. Fire Jerry DePoto right now. Fire him. Jerry DePoto was forced to make a statement. It was an interesting one. He said... When asked, how does this trade make sense to the Mariners? He said, it probably doesn't as a standalone, but it's part of a context that's going to be an ongoing story over the next couple of days as the trade deadline nears. What comes next could be as early as tonight or tomorrow because we do plan on being active. So they then traded for Tyler Anderson from the Pirates, who's nothing, number six starter, not going to help him make the playoffs. Why aren't I angry with Jerry DePoto? Why don't I think that he is a bad GM for this trade of their closer, Graveman? Because the Mariners haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. And in order to make the playoffs, while I agree you have to take advantage of a situation that you find yourself, which is them completely outperforming. But DePoto knows his team better than you do. And when DePoto looks at the wild card standings, the owner says, hey, we're only a game back. But DePoto says the Yankees are two and a half games back. The Blue Jays are four games back. The Angels are five games back, and they're all better than we are. And during the course of the next 70 games, as the Mariners are currently 55 and 47, having played 102 games, so they've got 60 games left. In the course of the next 60 games, we do not believe that we will be able to have the type of record over those 60 games that will get us into the playoffs. Therefore, we are going to continue to do the process that we've been doing and put ourselves in a position where we're doing for our team going forward, what's best. And you as a fan are saying, no, 
You've got to take advantage of a year that is unexpected. And that's the difference between a team that never makes the playoffs and a team that does. Do you remember the Chicago White Sox with Jerry Reinsdorf Coca? They were in the wild card race at the deadline and they sold off their players and people were furious. And the White Sox came out and said the truth. While you may think we're close, we know we're not. We're making these trades in order to get closer and bring you a World Series appearance or at least a playoff appearance. I wanted DePoto to say that. But what DePoto did wrong, and I will tell him this and I'll tell you this if he's listening or else I'm just telling you the listeners. He forgot to talk to his players. And his players have gone public at how angry they are. An hour ago was great. It was probably better than it's ever been. And now it's the worst. Players were emerging with tears. A veteran player said, you should have seen it earlier. Players were not talking to the media, but they were yelling, we are betrayed. They said of DePoto, he hasn't come down here. He sits up in his suite playing fantasy baseball and rips apart our team without telling us anything. How do GMs this day and age not understand how to be a GM? You want to make a trade? I believe in you. You do your job. Part of your job is communicating with your players. When you don't communicate with them, you lose the clubhouse. When you don't communicate with them, you force the manager to side with them. And then you've lost not just the clubhouse, but you've increased the gulf between the clubhouse and the front office, which is something that I'm always trying to shorten and make smaller, not make larger. When you know that your team is one game back in the standings and the players think they've done their job and that they want help, and you know that you're making a trade because it's the right trade, because they got back someone who's going to be on this team for years. You tell your players. It's not that hard. People refuse to communicate. They just refuse. One day, one day, GMs will understand that part of their job involves being in the clubhouse. One day. Not just to work out, not just to get dressed and have a locker, to be in the clubhouse and treat players as though they are more than just people who know how to hit, throw, pitch and catch, but who can understand what business is. But too many times we read players saying after the fact, we know it's a business. It's just business. We have a whole show because of it. Should do it beforehand. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I watched last night for $19.99. I paid $20 to watch this movie. I want my money back. And then we're going to talk about John Rocker. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for voting for us at the podcast, People's Podcast Choice Awards. You can go on my Twitter, David P. Sampson. I think voting is through Friday. It's pinned at the top, and then I'll unpin it. 
But if you click it, spend 60 seconds, best male host, we could win. That'd be fun. I think I get a car and some clothes for Coca. I'm just kidding. I get adulation and an Oscar and an acceptance speech. I'd like to thank the Academy of Motion Podcasts. We're also up for the People's Choice Award. CBS did not sponsor these awards, so I may have a problem winning, but we might as well try. I watch a movie every day. I was super excited to see the hitman's wife's bodyguard because I loved the hitman's bodyguard. Samuel Jackson, Ryan Reynolds, Selma Hayek. I thought the mute, excuse me, I forgot to mute there. And I just had a little bit of indigestion, even though I haven't eaten. And I did a 10K at 5.30 this morning. Why? I don't know. I guess I should have eaten because my, can you hear my stomach grumbling right now, Coca? My stomach is grumbling. I'm a little lightheaded. What are we talking about? Hold on. I lost my place. One second, folks. I'm getting it back. Ah, the Seattle Mariners. No, we talk Coca. Darn it. Dang it. Ah, Hitman Wife's Bodyguard. I was excited to watch it. It's $19.99. Of course, I'm going to buy it because that's like going to a movie. It was 99 minutes of pure, unadulterated crap. I understand why they made the sequel, because the first movie made quite a bit of money for everybody. So they said, hey, I got an idea. Let's write a sequel. And instead of being the bodyguard to Samuel L. Jackson, let's Ryan Reynolds be the bodyguard to Selma Hayek, who is a potty mouthed assassin. The story is convoluted and ridiculous. However, the star of that great TV show about wrestling is in it. His name is Frank, Frank Gorillo, maybe. He played the father in a show called Kingdom, but I may have the name of the show wrong, but I love that show. That was the one with the Jonas Brother guy, which is a great show. If you haven't watched it, we reviewed on Nothing Personal, but he's not very good in this movie. He plays some sort of FBI agent trying to get to Boston from London. They filmed the whole thing in Europe. The music's bad. The action sequences are only good because they were big budget, which just shows that the studio gave them a ton of money. So they just blow up crap all the time. They've got boat chases like they're James Bond. They have car chases and vans going down the Roman stairs, blah, blah, blah. The plot has as many holes as a piece of cheese that I'm going to eat in approximately 12 minutes. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. The hitman's wife's bodyguard, Ryan, be better. Please. Express confidence. Ryan does express confidence very well, doesn't he? Ryan Reynolds, I love him. I mean, I've loved him since Van Wilder. There's nothing about him. Deadpool is one of my favorite movies. I think I guess I should put Deadpool in my top 100, actually. Ryan Reynolds, married to Blake Lively. There's just a side note. Express confidence. He does. He's pretty cocky, but in a really good cocksure way. Not diminutive, just cocksure. Are you listening, Stephanie? Cockative, cockety, cocky, cocky, and diminutive. Diminutive and cocksure. That's what I was called by people in the media when I was running the Marlins. Express confidence, express you. Express is a sponsor of Nothing Personal. And if you have not gone to express.com, what are you waiting for? Do you realize that if you go to express.com, 
You're going to get unbelievable summer deals. You're going to get all of these amazing stretch shirts and stretch pants. They're versatile. They're super comfortable. They're casual. Did you ever buy those four-way stretch denim pants yet? I ordered them. I was waiting for Express to send them to me. I was waiting for Express to send them to me. I was waiting for Express to send them to me. And it turns out I went to express.com just like you do. Don't wait anymore. Coca went and got some cotton stretch shirts that he wanted to wear until he got COVID. Now he just wears his same plaid flannel every single day that I have to stare at before and after the show. Anyway, Coca wants me to tell you to get the cotton stretch shirts. They're very breathable. And he said they don't live nasty pit stains. I don't get nasty pit stains. How about using antiperspirant, Coca? Maybe a little deodorant? Anyway, be on the lookout for great summer deals at express.com. Let's talk about John Rocker. John Rocker was a player. Oh, my God. Why is John Rocker in my mind? He was on Survivor. John Rocker, if you've never heard of him, he had a bit of an issue back before many people were having issues, but they should have had an issue. He was a good closer, except he was racist. And uh, that didn't work out well for him. I think he did better than I did at Survivor, which is quite annoying because I don't think he was a first boot. But it's not about John Rocker. I don't really care about John Rocker. I don't want to talk about John Rocker. I was talking about Kumar Rocker. Mets first round pick. Mets fans are adding me all the time. Scott Riley of CBS is sucking his thumb in the fetal position under his bed because when Kumar Rocker was drafted, I think in the, what, what was it, Coke in the 10 hole? Is that when he was drafted? He had fallen. He was the Vanderbilt teammate of Al Leiter's son, Jack, who was drafted number two. He was drafted in the 10 hole. And there was a rumor that there was a pre-draft deal for $6 million. We talked about the fact that the Mets had that pre-draft deal against the rules, but guess how many teams do pre-draft deals? Wait for it. Count the number of teams in the standings. When you get to 30, stop. And that's the number of teams who do pre-draft deals. You can't talk to the player before you draft them. Okay. We're never going to talk to players before we draft them. We're only going to go look at the scouting combine and see how fast they throw. We're going to look to see how many home runs they hit. Oh, you want to talk about money? Ah, that's not allowed. We're never going to talk about it. Everybody does. The Mets had a deal, but here's the problem with the Major League Baseball draft that bothered me from minute one. We cannot put our hands on the player before the draft. That came out wrong. I don't want to put my hands on a player. I want to give that player a physical. I want to do MRIs. Do you know who doesn't let you do MRIs? Scott Boras. You know why? He wants his players to sign, get paid, and then get hurt because then he gets paid. He doesn't give a flying rat's ass if his players get hurt. He just wants them to sign and get the guaranteed money. I don't even know if Boras has Kumar Rocker as an agent, as a player. I bet he does, actually. Coca, can you find that out? I should have asked you pre-show. We had like 50 times that we could do it. Does he really? <laughs> Shocking. Shocking that Scott Boris has Kumar Rocker who made him fall to the Mets because he told every other team to piss off and he's not going to sign with them because he had a $6 million deal with Steve Cohn. And I'll bet you dollars to glazed donuts that he cut that deal with Steve Cohn directly. Mr. New Owner himself, 
No physical. Physical? Physical? There's no physical. Guess what happens before you actually sign a deal? No matter what the owner wants, you give that player a physical. And then you get the results. And all of a sudden, the Mets said, Rutrow, we've got a small problem here. It looks like you've got the elbow of a 45-year-old. You've got some frayed ligaments. Your shoulder looks like crap. And by the way, look at that tendon in your knee. I'm very concerned about this. Hello, Scott. I just want to tell you right now, Coco, this is off. We did not talk about this, but we're doing it. We're doing it right now. Ready? Hey, Scott, it's Sandy. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Yeah, Sandy Alderson. Yeah, yes, I do run the mess. No, no, you can't talk to Steve. I got to talk to you. I, you'll only talk to Steve. You may want to listen to this. Um, the player that we agreed to give 6-2 pre-draft that you said was fine and that the only reason he had had some innings limitations with Vanderbilt was because of something not having to do with injury. Remember that, Scotty boy? Well, we're not going to pass him. We're not giving him $6 million. Good luck going back to Vanderbilt your senior year. Good luck trying to get back into the draft and making more than $6 million when his arm is hanging by a string. We had a deal. That, Scott, no, no, no. We didn't have a deal. We had a deal pending a physical. Here's what we're going to do, Scott. We'll give him $2 million, which is an overpay. You'll get your commission on the $2 million, and that's it. All right? Um, Sandy, I'm not responding to you because I only talk to owners, but you can have your owner call me. But I'll tell you right now, Rocker is not signing with you for $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, $5 million. He's signing for $6.0 million. He's fine. I had my own doctors look at him. Scotty, you're not a doctor. Of course I am. Scotty, you're not a doctor. I've got doctors on staff. I've got the number one training facility in the world. I have the best doctors known to mankind. They look to Kumar Rocker. We give our players physicals, Sandy. We don't take on players who are hurt. We take on players who are going to make us money. And when they stop making us money, we get rid of them or we give them to my minions. You got to take my word for it. Scott, you're not listening to me. Steve, could you come in here, please? Steve. Steve. Yeah, I got Scott on the phone. Scott, it's Steve. Steve, you got to give six million to Rocker. He's fine. He's going to be fine. Don't you want to win a World Series in three to five years? This guy is a college player. He's going to be in your rotation when you play in October and you get to look at all the Mets fans. You will be the most popular man in New York. Do you know, Steve, that you're going to overtake the Steinbrenners because they don't know what they're doing anymore? You're going to overtake them. I know they gave my guy Cole that money, but guess what? Without sticky substances, they may not even make the playoffs. <laughs> I'm still getting my 5%. Steve, you just got to give him six. Sandy, should we give him six? Steve, don't be ridiculous. Sandy, we got to give him six. Scott, hold on one second. Sandy, let's just do it. We can't do it, Steve. I didn't pay you to say no to me. I paid you to say yes to me and do whatever I want. Mets fans are nervous. Very, very nervous. The deadline is 5 p.m. Sunday. The Mets are going to wait right to the very end. They're going to threaten Scott, and they're going to say, we're not giving you six. We're going to let him go back into the draft. We're going to take our pick. If you do not sign your first-round pick, folks, the Mets will get the number 10, the number 11 pick next year. They get right back in. In addition to their own first-round pick, they get 
another pick right where they were. They're going to tell Scott, we're going back in the draft. We didn't realize that he had one elbow. I think that's what they're going to say. Is that what they're going to do? Mark my words, it's not a way to see. They're going to sign Kumar Rocker. Too much pressure, too much pressure. And Scott, as soon as he hangs up the phone with Sandy, he's calling Steve directly. And that deal will get done. All right, I want to give you my pick of the day. You know, we won a game two days ago with a five-run walk-off. We lost a game three days ago with a four-run walk-off, and we lost a game last night with a grand slam in the ninth, bottom of the ninth. The Tigers hit a grand slam. I told you my Ada would have a good start, and he did, but it wasn't enough. The Twins lost. We're 98 and 84. They lost in 11 innings to the Tigers. Well, I got a game to talk to you about today, and it is the Phillies and the Nationals. Tyrone Corbin is pitching for us. <laughs> wow. I've got a funny brain. I bet you Coke has never heard of Tyrone Corbin. Tyrone Corbin used to be in the NBA. Patrick Corbin is pitching for the Nationals. The Nationals are struggling. They're thinking of trading, as you know, Max Scherzer. The Nationals had Trey Turner leave the game in the middle of the game yesterday because he got COVID. We did not get to it today, but I promise you we're going to get to it tomorrow. Trey Turner of the Nationals left the field because he got a positive COVID test in the middle of the game. They pulled him, and there was rampant speculation that A, he was hurt, B, he was traded. It was C, he had COVID. Christian Yelich is vaccinated, has COVID, and I'm going to talk about tomorrow. I just got carried away today, but I will talk about his promise to David P. Sampson on Twitter, what I would do because pulling players in the middle of the game is not the plan. It's not the right way to go. The Nationals are trying to work out a deal with Scherzer, who's got to waive his no trade clause. I have to wait to see that it won't happen, though I'm a little worried about that. Wait to see. I'm shocked that the Nationals have been as bad as they've been. If I were the Nationals GM or the president, I'm 100% trying to get rid of Scherzer, get whatever I can for him because we're not resigning him. The Phillies are an absolute disaster as well in their bullpen, their team. Another year of Bryce Harper not making the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. But Zach Wheeler has been a decent sign. He is pitching the best he's pitched. By the way, I would trade him. Because by the time the Phillies are going to be good, I would reallocate that money. Stupid money, as Middleton would say. But I'm going to take Wheeler over Corbin. We're 98 and 84, the pick of the day. Look for Wheeler over Corbin. I appreciate every day that you listen to Nothing Personal. I appreciate the 45 minutes that you give to me and to Coca. I really don't take it for granted. I will never take it for granted. I promise you that we will be back here tomorrow. That's our show for today. And always remember, always, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.